a teacher will say, spit out your gum. A train will say, choo, 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 choo. <laughs> If you have your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 5, 15. 1 and 5 is 15, so it needs to be chapter 15. It is a joy to be in the presence of God. It's a joy to do His work, His ministry. Thank you so much for yesterday. It was just a just a, a very much a wonderful experience to touch people's lives and to meet people I've never met before and to build relationships and to challenge kids. One of the young ladies uh, said she wanted to be a veterinarian. And uh, I just talking to kids, what school are you going to? What grade are you in? And what, what's your goals? And uh, you know, in seventh grade, you, you have to know your whole life's career. And you have to have the college picked out and because that's all about it, you know. and. Uh, so this young lady came up and said, well, I don't know what school or what, you know, but she said, but I want to be a veterinarian. And I said, well, go start shadowing, get you a job at pet store or, you know, doggy daycare and, and uh, begin to work your way up and maybe work at a vet's office and, and uh, that veterinarian can help get you started in, in your career. And I said, once you study it and shadow it, you might say, I don't know if I want this or not, but but it's just, it's fun to challenge kids because guess what? Anything is possible. That's right. Anything is possible. And so it's it's a joy to, to be here today, Teacher Sunday. I call this Teacher Sunday. Uh, we challenge our students to uh, be involved and be uh, obedient in class. Acts chapter 15. Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching... And they were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Well, that's an interesting process. And what is a teacher? A teacher is one who instructs, who guides, who leads, who leads by example. That's really the greatest teaching process. And so we, we look at the word teacher and we realize that in the Greek New Testament, the word teacher is used 97 times in the Greek New Testament. Throughout the scriptures, about 169, and there's no other word describing the life of Jesus more than the word teacher. They even called him great teacher. Teacher, tell us about this. Teacher, tell us about this. He taught, he taught, and he taught. And, and so when we uh, are, are used in the gift of, of teaching, we're involved in, in doing something that Jesus readily uh, did before us. But this individual group of men have come down to shed a thought that uh, they hadn't got total insight on yet. They were still stuck in the old tradition. They were still stuck in the old tradition of Judaism. How many of you admit that there's certain ways you've done things in life and you're just kind of stuck? Yeah. Have you ever noticed our cell phone companies don't let us get stuck? Oh, you got to get the 5G. I can't wait till the next change, you know. And it just constantly changing. I don't know, I mentioned last week, I believe, about the quarter. If you haven't seen the new quarter, 
Washington's looking the opposite direction he's looked for 100 years. Things are changing. Part of that change of the currency and, and changing the way they print the dollar bill is they're telling you that it's for so that they can keep uh, the uh, criminal activity down by not being able to print dollars as well. But the truth of the matter is, I believe there's the bottom line is that one day there will be a one world government, a one world currency. And so in the process of us changing ours, it'll be easier for us to accept the change. You see, for me to move that piano from there to five feet closer to me, the trick is moving it one inch a week. And in several months from now, you'll realize, oh, how'd the piano get over there? But you never realized it just moved one inch a week. And that's how society works and functions sometimes. And here's an individual who is stuck in his culture of being a Jew, and he's thinking everyone should do exactly what he's doing. But, and that was true for centuries. But now Jesus has come on the scene, and he has totally changed things. He has lifted women up and, and exalted them to a position of honor and, and being a person. Uh, before that, women were just an object that men owned. And so we, we see this individual coming, and he's teaching a, a doctrine that he doesn't fully understand in the sense that he's an heir. This brought Paul and Barnabas into sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed, along with some other believers, to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and the elders about this question. The church sent them on their way, and as they traveled through Phoenicia and Samaria, they, they told how that the Gentiles had been converted. This news made all the brothers very glad. The Gentiles, the pagan people, the people who were far from God, considered by Jewish people as being just dogs, having no respect for Gentiles, and they're getting saved. And it caused a real spirit of gladness to come upon people. When they came to Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and the elders to whom they reported everything God had done through them. Notice they didn't say, look what we have done. This is the meeting of the minds. They're all coming together to share in a thought, to share the influence of a teacher. The influence of a teacher is phenomenal. And these guys have come up to, to intersect with these teachers. They're coming up to, to see how they can get these things corrected and get things in the right direction. Then some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to obey the laws of Moses. In the meeting of the minds, we have this process of the influence of a teacher. This teacher was influencing, the Pharisees were influencing, and again, they were trapped in their tradition. Things were changing, but they weren't willing to change with it. Then some of the believers who believed the party stood up and said, these Gentiles, they've got to be, they've got to be circumcised. That's not how it is. The apostles and elders met to consider these questions. After much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. Personal eyewitness, personal interaction always changes life. Peter got up and addressed them. Brothers, 
You know that some time ago, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel and believe. God, who knows the heart, showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he did to us. Heart knowledge. God knows the heart. Showed them he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them, just as he had for us. You see, the power of God is miraculous. And God is going to bless those he chooses to bless. God knows the heart and showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to him, just as he did to us. Peter's saying, we experience the blessings of God. We experience this Holy Spirit move of speaking in tongues and and the joy of knowing Jesus in a very special way, and we are unbelievably blessed. And now, he has done that for the Gentiles. Most of the time, the early converts were Jewish. They had already been circumcised, so it wasn't a big issue. But now we have people who have not been circumcised, people who are not Jewish, coming to the same experience that the Jews had experienced in coming to know Jesus. And so it's an exciting time for a bunch of Gentiles. He made no distinction between us and them. So he purified their hearts by faith. It's a faith relationship. It's not what we do. It's not our works. Works are a product of our faith. But our faith is not a product of our works. Faith without works is dead. And so we love Jesus and we come to know him and come to know the Father through faith. And it's through faith that we have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And out of that faith and that love that God pours into our hearts, we love others. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of the disciples a yoke that neither we nor our fathers have been able to bear? What a declaration. I, Peter's got this testimony going. I experienced God mightily in the lives of the Jewish believers coming into a relationship with God and getting filled with the Holy Spirit. I also watched the Gentiles be purified and get the same experience from God. So God knows their heart. It's a heart knowledge. God has a heart knowledge. And he knows our heart. And he knew the heart of the Gentiles. And it was exciting to see what is taking place. But these old-fashioned Jews, the Pharisees, are saying... You've got to stay in the tradition. you just got to keep on doing the tradition. You can't be saved unless you're a Jew first, and then you get saved. And God doesn't work that way. And, but, it was, but we've got to give them space because they didn't know any different. They're in the process of learning what it is to, to know God. No, we believe it is through the grace of of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. It's through grace. What is grace? It's unmerited grace. You can't earn it. You can't get good enough to be forgiven. All you have to do is say, God, forgive me, and he hears your heart. And if you're genuinely sincere, you're forgiven. And the joy of the grace of God is that when you get that point of repentance and he, he, he forgives you of your sin, 
Then you take the Word of God and become a daily roadmap where you read it on a daily basis where it, it's applied to your life and, and life goes forward and life is better and you go through suffering and God walks with you through the suffering. You'll say, hold it, I thought we got saved, everything was rosy. Well, you've got to understand that every rose bush has thorns. I've yet to have rose bush that didn't have thorns. And so life is rosy, okay, but you're going to have some thorns in life. How many of you know sometimes those thorns prick you? Yes, indeed. There is suffering in life. But we're saved by grace. And so these folks were, were coming to a heart knowledge of, of knowing God through the heart rather than through the works, rather than doing religious things. The whole assembly became silent as they listened to Barnabas and Paul telling about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done among the Gentiles through them. You see, they preached the gospel. They preached the word that Jesus wanted them to preach. And then God showed up and brought signs and wonders. What are signs and what are wonders? They are supernatural experiences that only God can do. What's a wonder? When you look at something and you say, I wonder how that works. When you can't explain it, it's probably God. That's right. It's as simple as this. How many of you know what I'm talking about when I talk about surprise lilies? Nobody. Okay. This is going to take a while. <laughs> In the spring, there is a shoot that comes up out of the ground. And they're clustered together in this beautiful green. And they're kind of like blades. They just kind of stick together. They just shoot straight up. And they'll grow up to be about eight inches tall, a foot tall. And they're just green. No flowers, nothing. And it's a lily in the process. If you didn't know any better, you said, well, they're not blooming. I'm just going to blow them off. No, 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 no. You've got to let that green put energy down in the bulb that's in the ground. And so it filters the sunlight and the rain and everything, and it puts energy in the bowl in the ground. It starts dying out. It wilts down, and it turns completely brown. Completely brown. I mean, they're dead as a doornail for about two weeks. The first of August. If you're not, if you're not watching, you'll miss it. First of August, there'll be a spike in the ground. The 2nd of August, it will be a foot tall. The 3rd of August, it will be two foot tall. You'll say, Pastor, I think you're stretching it just a little bit. No. Surprise lilies are that very thing. They surprise you. And then they set out beautiful, beautiful flowers. Mine are pink. They're just absolutely gorgeous. I mean, a cluster of five to six on top of the stem. No leaves on the stem. Just a stem shooting straight up with leaves on it. Now you've seen them around town. That's a wonder. But God supernaturally does signs and wonders. You see, he, they preached the word and he did the signs and wonders, the miracles, for the proof of his power, that he is a powerful God, that he has the ability to transform things. The whole assembly was silent. Because they were mesmerized by, by what they were sharing. Again, 
It was these men who made themselves available for the Holy Spirit to work through them, and they touched people's lives. They made themselves available, but they didn't do it. If you'll notice how it speaks to the scripture, it's, it's, it, the statement is, we want to share what God has done through us, not what we have done. And it's so important that we always give the glory to God. When they finished, James spoke up. Now, James was oh, one of the pastors there in the local church. Brothers, listen to me. Simon has described it up to us how God at first showed his concern by taking from the Gentiles a people for himself. The words of the prophets are in agreement with this as it is written. After this, I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent, its ruins. I will rebuild, I will restore it, that the remnant of men may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who hear my name, says the Lord who does these things that have been known for ages. It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. People turn to God because they realize that he is the answer. People turn to God because they want to get out of their situation, and they've worked really hard, and they haven't been able to accomplish it. But God gives them the ability to do that. Instead, we should write to them, telling them to abstain from foods polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, and from the meat of strangled animals, and from blood. For Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times, and is read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. He's saying, okay, let's condense it all. Let's put it down into three things. This will kind of help the Jewish faith, because you have purity rules about what you eat and what you don't eat. We'll have the Gentiles pick up on some of that. But this isn't salvation. They don't do these things and it brings them salvation. Salvation comes by grace. Then the apostles and the elders with the whole church decided to choose some of their own men and sent them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. They chose Judas, called Barabbas, uh, and Silas, two men who were leaders among the brothers. With them, they sent the following letter. The apostles and elders and your brothers to the to the Gentile believers in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia, we have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds with what they said. So we all agree to choose men and send them to you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul, men who have uh, risked their lives for the sake of in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. It seems good to the Holy Spirit, to, to, to us, not to burden you with anything beyond the following requirements. You are to abstain from food sacrificed to idols, from, from the blood and from the meat of strangled animals, and from sexual immorality. You will do well to avoid these things. These are just three simple things that you need to realize that is going to be to your benefit if you follow through and do these things. Then the men were sent off and went to, to Antioch, and they gathered the church together and delivered the letter. The people read it and, and were glad for the encouraging message. Judas and Silas, who, who themselves were prophets, said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. After spending time there, 
they were, they were sent off by the brothers with blessings of peace to return to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, where they and many others taught and preached the word of God. It's exciting to see how that when truth prevails, people listen. When truth is presented, people listen. Sometime later, Paul and Barnabas uh, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas uh, wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyrus. But Paul chose Silas, and they left to commend, commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Cyrene and Sicilia, uh, strengthening the churches. Conflict resolved. They had a sharp disagreement. They didn't fully comprehend what was taking place. And there's this sharp resolve of just not knowing why such a division. It's interesting to know that later on, Paul calls for John Mark to come and assist him. It's interesting to know that in the teaching process of these disciples, they taught one another and they grew in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there can be disagreements, but the gospel doesn't have to suffer. The disagreement wasn't over doctrinal statements. The disagreement was, was over personality. John Mark, for whatever reason, was on the first missionary trip with him, and he bailed out early. And it just irked Paul to no end. He doesn't have the stamina to go with us. He's just... And, and so... The beauty of this is, is that God works through everything. There was one team preparing to go out, and they were trying to get others to go with them. But because of a conflict of personalities, it split one team into two teams, and now there's twice as much impact going on in the communities. And they were going back to locations that they were familiar with. We send missionaries around the world. They go into cultures, they learn the culture, they work with the native people, they get the native people saved, and let the native people grow into ministry to where they, the missionary works themselves out of the job, and the native begins to teach the native, because the greatest impact, the greatest impact is working with culture that you know. And so that has been the indigenous church. That's what the Assemblies of God, all these years, why do we send missionaries out? To go to a country, to learn the culture enough to train up pastors in that culture that they can minister to their own people. And it has been a successful pattern of discipleship and growing the church around the world. There are more people who are members of the Assembly of God Church outside of America than there are inside and that's a contributing factor to us sending out missionaries. It is amazing the power of God that is being manifested through our missionaries and through our churches. 
and through our Bible schools. We, we, we desperately strive to get Bible schools any place we can get them because in third world nations, men can't come and pay money to come to America to be educated. It's best to educate them right where they're at. And so we have Global University, which is a, a tremendous ministry. It works here even in the States to where you have a workbook that you work through during the month. At the end of the month, you come to a three-hour class and you work your way through getting credentialed in the Assemblies of God if that is what you desire to do. And, and it's just amazing what is going on around the world through missions. And when we do our Speed Light Car, Truck, and Bike Show, the money's raised from that buys vehicles for missionaries around the world. And how important is that? It's very important because they're picking up some people, taking them back into the city to get to the doctor. They are, they are bringing out supplies to people out in the bush. They are bringing out building supplies and building tabernacles out, uh, out in the bush. It is amazing uh, the impact that the Assemblies have got. Convoy of Hope is one of those ministries that is not a part of our church, but it is in the sense that it stands alone by its own. Uh, in Convoy of Hope, it goes into disaster areas. They will load up a semi-truck full of cleaning supplies and needs that people have once the tornado goes through. They'll load that truck up and they will park it within 50 to 100 miles from the storm center. When the storm moves out, the trucks roll in and they begin to distribute. It is amazing. They're feeding, feeding people around the world. Um, it is just a, a blessing to know that we are a part of that. We give to, to Convoy of Hope every month to help bless people around the world. And when you've lost everything, you don't even, you don't even have a, a cleaning rag or, or bleach to work with. You get that in your hand, it really feels good. You get some toothpaste and some toothbrushes. It, you just don't understand how desperate some people are and what they don't have in a time of tragedy. And uh, we, we're, we're blessed to be a part of, of a church that cares about people around the world as well as here at home. And uh, when we look at this gospel, we realize that this is the changing of the tide in Acts chapter 15, the meeting of the minds. It was a big council meeting, if you would, to where the declaration, you're saved by grace. You're saved by grace. You're not saved by works. You're not saved by, by being uh, uh, going through the ritual, but you're saved by, by grace. And it's so important that we recognize the fact that grace is the key factor and we must walk in that grace that God has for us. Galatians chapter two and verse eight. For God, who was at work in the ministry of Peter as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as the apostle to the Gentiles. James, Peter, and John were reputed by pillars, gave, up, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when recognizing the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and then to the Jews. All they asked was, that we should continue to remember the poor and the very thing I was eager to do. Paul, working with James, working together, 
because of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about, is allowing the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to touch our heart. It's not by anything else but God's grace. God has given us a tremendous amount of grace, and it comes through the Word of God. It comes through the ability to say, God, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Redeem us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit lives within the Word of God. God's Holy Spirit wants to take residence in our life, and it's by faith that we walk in the newness of life that Jesus has for us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful today for your keeping hand. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for loving us. And Lord, we realize that in this chapter today, we've discovered the fact that there is a changing of the guard. The Jewish faith is giving up their, their corner on life, and they're beginning to recognize that there's a new thing that's called Jesus, that he paid the price for man's sins once and for all on Calvary's cross. And that we can have a personal relationship with our Heavenly Father by simply recognizing that the blood of Jesus shed on the cross was there for my sins. And so, Lord, I confess my sins to you and I repent of the sins I have committed. Lord, forgive me. And, Lord, that comes makes us one with you, that you have come into our hearts and our lives are changed because of the grace of God, not because of some law that we have obeyed. But God, in knowing you and allowing the grace of God to come into our hearts, we are equipped with the ability to walk in obedience to your word, in obedience to your law. We don't do it out of their way except because of the love of God in us. Thank you, Lord, for the precious Holy Spirit that lives within the word and lives within our hearts today. May your Holy Spirit guide us and direct us this week for your glory in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Would you stand with me? Thank you for those that are home viewing today. We're so grateful. Thank you for your prayers. Yesterday was an awesome day. 338 guests on the grounds and uh, over 200 packages were given out of school supplies. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Thank you for your faithfulness in praying. And may you have a blessed day at home. May God just fill your home with joy and peace. In Jesus' name. Amen.